Are you ready to get your sports banter on? Brian Hemminger, love child of Albert Einstein and Howard Cosell, with a body chiseled by Zeus himself. Brandon Sharples, a man who could beat Mike Tyson. In a spelling bee, together they form the At Odds Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Monday, February 12th, 2018, and we have an excellent edition of the At Odds Podcast in store for you. Uh, it is our 22nd episode. Uh, I'm your host, Brian Hemminger, and tonight we'll be talking about the unifying power of sports with South Korea and North Korea as an example in the Winter Olympics. We'll be talking about when is the right time? to start beating the shit out of your children in sports. And then, of course, we'll be talking uh, some hot takes on the new-look Cleveland Cavaliers and Johnny Manziel bipolar disorder revelations. So, without further ado, let's bring in my co-host. I believe the sickness is over, so he is back to being silky smooth, Brandon Sharples. Brandon, how you doing tonight, man? I'm doing great. Yep, the sickness is done. I kicked that sickness's ass right to the curb. I'm feeling good, energized. Um, I'm checking out my DraftKings right now. It looks like looks like we're doing pretty good. I, I, I posted a DraftKings uh, lineup on our Belly Up Sports Facebook, and I got some feedback on that. So um, if you copied that and you use my uh, use my lineup, you're probably going to win a little bit of money tonight, just depending on uh, what contest you enter and how much money you put on there. So. I'm excited. I, I, I think I'm going to win probably about 25, 30 bucks tonight on just that lineup. It's one of the better lineups I got going. I'm in 1240th place out of like 118,000. So that's not bad. That's not bad at all. Yeah, that's not bad. So, nope. Nope. Get a not bad at breaking all. some money. Eh, you know, we'll see what happens. I need to get, I need, I, I'm trying to win one of those hundred K's. <laughs> And it looks like, uh, oh man, we, I want to, uh, you tell you, I'll tell you what, we need Orlando and Chicago to go to OT right now and just to, to bring in some, to bring in some, uh, extra points for me because I tried to stack that game because I thought it was going to be, you know, a better game than it was. So, whatever. But anyway, um, yeah, so I wrote a blog and it's on basically the unification of how, the unification of sports and politics are basically how sports transcends politics, hatred, war even. And uh, I used the recent example of North Korea and South Korea coming together for the Winter Olympics, and they they walked as one nation in the in the um, in the opening ceremony, and they joined they joined North and South Korea together to make one one women's hockey team. And it was like an extra 12 players from North Korea joined on to the full, already full roster of the South Korean mm-hmm. women's national hockey team. And they basically made this agreement where they had to have three players at all times on the, on the ice was going to be, so basically half the players on the ice at all times was going to be North Koreans. And they, they lost their opening round eight nothing, but it, that, that transcends that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't matter that they lost. And what matters is that the two most glaringly 
you know, opposing as one country, people don't realize that it was really one country that just split into two and it was, and they're still like at war. They're just mm-hmm. on this, like they're just on this war treaty right now, like a peace treaty where they're not, they're not slinging, they're not slinging bombs at each other, but they're still at war. Yeah. And, uh, for them to come together like this, they're basically even a on fire was the, yeah, it. it wasn't like a truce or nope. anything. Yeah, just, they're just on a ceasefire, which can end at any time. Mm-hmm. And uh, they came together. Um, you know, they that hatred that the North has for the South is, you know, transcended in this in this situation to the point where it doesn't even matter to these people. And you can tell it gives the it gives the world an idea that the people of North Korea do want to exist in a, you know in a in a civilized nation in a civilized world. You know, they want to work together with their, with their counterparts down in South Korea. Many of these people had family down there that they got torn from. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this just shows the world, like a lot of the, a lot of people just want to bomb North Korea to the, to smithereens. And I get it because sometimes I've caught myself saying that because of the way, uh, you know, Kim Jong-un's talks and everything. But we got to remember that there's, there's millions of people there that are innocent, they're, are treated like shit. And, uh, you know, this just kind of shows the world that they, you know, they have a hockey team, you know, and they're, they're trying to work with their, with the South Koreans and they want to, and they, and I, I was watching this video of them doing like a cheer, mm-hmm. like they're cheering and it was super cool just to see like them get to do something at least happy for once. And, you know, it's just interesting to see how sports can really transcend, you know, war and, and, and genocide and all that stuff. And, uh, it's done that. Like, I, like, I like how you pointed out when I was showing you my blog, how, you mentioned that I should talk about how this is this is done in the ancient times when the when the original Olympics were done. They were constantly at war, and what they would do is they would send this peace treaties out, like a peace truce, out a month in advance to where no, you know, basically they were just stopping all war activities for safe travels, you know, around the Greek around the Greek. Uh, it was a large landmass. Greece, you know, Greece, the Greek owned a lot of land compared to what oh, they yeah. do now. And, uh, so this, don't just think it was like the country Greece now. I mean, this shit expanded yeah. out. Athens and, and Sparta and all those yeah, guys. Yeah, all that stuff. And they, and they created this truce for a third, what was it, like a whole month in advance. So they had safe travels. And then there was, during the games, there was, you know, there was a, basically you were, you were safe and you were harbored from war because you're, it was a religious festival. You know, it was to honor the Greek gods and that took precedent and everybody agreed that that took precedent over war and, 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 you know, the discomfort between all these nations and stuff. And, uh, so, and so sports really has always transcended that. It's always been a way to, to have, uh, you know, different cultures come together. And I wrote in my blog how you have like the AAU basketball, something I love to talk about because you have people from, Different walks of life. You have, you know, poor inner city kids, uh, and then you have like a lot of the uh, wealthy kids that, you know, get the best training year round. And then you got, you know, the middle class kids, and it's just every class of kids in is plays AAU basketball, and they all come together and they and they learn from each other. And you know, what better way to learn from, you know, an inner city kid when you're when you're a uh, when you're a rich child, you know, privileged child, what better way to learn from them than play side by side with them, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that, that goes, that's just, you know, AAU basketball is like the big example I can use, but it's all over the, you know, it's all over. 
Oh, Every, all the sports. Think about yeah. this. You know, when China had its kind of cultural revolution and like went to communism and basically shut its doors. Uh, do you know what opened the doors back up? What was that? We sent over a delegation to play ping pong against them. Yeah. And they let us in. You know, you know about it from watching Forrest Gump. He was on the ping pong team. But they yeah. went over and they played the Chinese in ping pong. That was like what got us to talk to China again. You know, yeah. The unifying power of sports. Um, and then another thing that I like to think of, just because especially with it being uh, my background, is mixed martial arts. I mean, there are fighters from all over the planet that compete in the UFC. I mean, there's Chinese fighters, there's Brazilian fighters, there's Australian fighters, Canadian fighters, Swedish fighters, fighters from the UK, Ireland, and the biggest stars in the world. It doesn't matter what country you're from. It's, it's about how good you are. So, yeah. you know, my favorite fighters have been from South Korea, the Korean zombie, uh, Conor McGregor from Ireland, uh, Anderson Silva from Brazil, um, Stefan Struve from the Netherlands. I mean, it just doesn't matter. Like, if they're entertaining and they put on a good show, then that's who I cheer for. The guys that have the, the most exciting fights. So, like, yeah, and the, it's a unifying and, thing there. Yeah, and like, same with like, uh, like I, I mentioned in my blog as well that, uh, I, I've been fortunate enough to, to know and be friends with some of the best wrestlers in this country. And I've been friends with multiple world team members. And one of my best friends is Wes Bergman and his brother JD was on the world team. Mm-hmm. And Wes's roommate was, uh, Reese Humphrey was on the world team. And I became good friends with Reese and I grew up with JD. And, uh, I've met multiple world team members just through those guys. I've been to the Olympic training center and, and, and conversed with some of these guys. And one of the common themes with, with these guys is that um, they love meeting people from different cultures. They, they love the, the interactions they have with the Russians and the Iranians and, and uh, you know, people of Budapest and, you know, anybody from Belarus. And I remember when J.D. started doing these – when J.D. started traveling and going up to overseas, he first started going to, like, uh, Japan and Belarus and all those countries over there, broken up uh, USSR, you know. And, uh, so he, the things that he always talked about was how awesome it was to go to these different countries and experience the different food and the culture and the people and how, you know, that he's become uh, friends with this Russian. And then, and, and Reese would say the same thing that he just became friends with the people from like Italy and, and just like stuff like that. And it, it just really was a major experience for them. And it gave them an opportunity to really see what these other countries were about and, you know, what, what we don't see outside because you know what we experience is like food dishes and stuff like that you know what i mean we don't get to experience these people um you know we don't get to experience what they're about what their families are about and uh how we went to when during the the whole travel ban situation um we were supposed to go to the world cup in iran and for wrestling men's freestyle wrestling team and they actually we got banned from going there for a very brief period of time because of this travel ban and I, Iran wouldn't let us in, and finally that was overturned, and Iran let us in. And, uh, you know, Jordan Burroughs did a, a, a interview on – Jordan Burroughs is one of our Olympic and world champions for our freestyle men's oh, yeah. team. And, and uh, he's just an amazing athlete, and he's become friends with a couple of the guys from Iran, and uh, sp- specifically one of them. And he said that, uh, you know, that he talks to them on Instagram, and that, you know, they, they – 
they check on in on each other and you know ask how training's going and you know they he's developed relationships with these people and he's talking about how you know he he likens um the Iran likens to wrestling like we do to NFL, NBA, and you know, you know, hockey, whatever. All all the major sports in this country, that's how they view freestyle and Greco wrestling over in Iran. It's like their national sport. That's part of their culture. Their culture identifies with those sports the way that our culture identifies with the NFL. And you know, and he's talking about how you know he's got to experience that because here in the United States, a lot of these guys are some of the best athletes in the entire world, and people don't even know who they are. He says he goes over there and he says people know me more over in Iran because of my Olympic and World Championships and the fact that he's never lost to an Iranian wrestler. Well, at the time of this, at the time of this, he didn't. But anyway, he, uh, yeah, he, he, uh, you know, he got to speak on their culture and how it's just amazing, amazing to to really see how they how they view their sport over there and. Yeah, they really come together over there with wrestling, and that's just an example of how sports that kind of unifies a war-torn country. You know, mm-hmm. Iran's one. Of the, you know, Iran is considered the number one country in the world for harboring terrorism. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so a lot of people get this really piss poor view of the Iranians, but it's it's you know through Jordan Burroughs' eyes and what he's saying and his words, I got to realize that not everybody in Iran is like that. So, oh, yeah, like for Iran, wrestling is their soccer. I mean, yeah. Or like in the United States, wrestling is their football. I mean, it is everything to them. Yeah, so, exactly. The guys like, you know, we may not treat our, I mean, I know who George Burroughs is and I respect the shit out of him, but like he doesn't get the even a glimmer of the respect he gets in America as he would if he was in, if he was from Iran and he was having that same amount of success. He'd be a fucking rock star over there. Yeah, like Iran and Russia. Like Russia is the same way. They treat wrestling the same way. And there's guys over there that have um, that have won multiple world and, and Olympic uh, medals, and they're they're basically set for life. Mm-hmm. You know, they get they're set for life over there. Russia Russia takes care of them. They pay oh, yeah. for everything. That, they get that uh, Karelin. Yeah, Karelin. I mean, that guy is probably the scariest wrestler of all time. <laughs> He's like a he's like a Russian diplomat now. Yeah, like yeah. he's part of their political process now exactly. and everything. That's all it takes. And it, and same with like look it's at Manny Pacquiao in in the Philippines. Yeah. You know he want he won a seat in Congress and you know due to his popularity in sports, trying to make a difference. And you know if you're good at sports, it really can transcend anything. People will love you, mm-hmm. and you you can become a, a world icon just from being good at sports. Like it's a, it's just incredible what sports can do for for our culture. Mm-hmm. It really, truly is like. And just think about what what's happening with basketball. I mean, it used to just be uh, guys from America that I mean, because we basically kind of invented the sport, but now it's becoming an international thing. I mean, uh, we're getting players from all over the world now. And not there's Europe, European players in the NBA. There's South American players in the NBA. There's uh, Asian players in the NBA. Australian players. Um, I mean, it's really becoming uh, a global sport, and I mean that's a beautiful thing. Um, I mean, football still really hasn't translated. Pretty much everybody's from the United States, but yeah. But look what they're doing with it. They're yeah. getting it over in Europe, and now they have multiple games in London every mm-hmm. year. Uh, they're talking about maybe moving a franchise to London. They get ton like they sell out. I mean, that's wildly popular over 
were there. It's it's popular down in Mexico. They had that game down in Mexico City. Mm-hmm. You know, so it is expanding, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if the you know with the money grab the NFL. Well, any chance they get to make money, they will. So if 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 there's a market over in these other countries, they'll go there. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's pretty interesting to see like you know how how powerful sports are, and 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 they have uh you know they they're the main building block of friendships among kids and you know throughout the country. You know, some of the best friends I ever had, I you know I wouldn't have had these guys without sports. You know, and uh, some and like a lot a lot of my friends that didn't go to the high school that I went to that I that I grew up with and that I liked are due to wrestling and baseball. I was on that travel team for a little while, and I also wrestled all over the country. I met people from everywhere from because of this. You know, I got friends in wrestling from all over the country that I'll know forever, and uh, it's all due to sports, man. So I think the biggest thing is is uh, sports just expanding on these uh, these leagues because I don't think there's a, I don't think there's enough options for kids out there. I know they have like you know inner city school or inner city have these you know pop Warner football stuff, but I think they need to create as many as they possibly can can and get as many kids playing as they possibly can because just that boosting of endorphins is enough to to make those kids you know a, a, a big difference in their lives and the way they view the world you know. Mm-hmm. If they got that, if they got that little bit of happiness in their life, if they if they come from a place of not, you know, of, you know, no luxury, you know, what if they come from a, a broken home, you know, there's no, there's so many things that sports can mend in somebody's life, you know, whether they come from a broken home or they come from just, you know, a poor area or they come from a rich area but they just need help socializing, you know, just to, just you know, or they need they need a, a dose of reality of how the real world works, you know, there's. You know, you, 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 there's endless possibilities with sports from a young age to our age. So you got, you know, you got these beer leagues with the freaking softball. I play softball still, yep. you know, and I, you know, I was playing flag football up until, you know, I was 28, 27, you know, 29 years old. And this is awesome. I had the yep. best times of my life doing that, you know. I played, I played softball uh, a year and a half ago. You know, yeah, you're, it was a good time. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I actually I got invited to do that on your team, actually. I just I lived all the way in Perrysburg. It's just yeah. too far for me to get out to Port Clinton, but yeah. So I love I love sports, man. I love the idea of sports. I love what it can do for somebody's life, and I just think that more kids should be involved in sports. Even even kids that you know think they're nerdy, <laughs> you know, even you, nerdy. You can learn things. Yeah. yeah, you can learn things, and you, you know it, it's it's awesome. It's awesome to make that transition from, you know, not thinking you're athletic because once you're once you're a little kid, like, it doesn't even matter how athletic you are. Because I remember telling you before, remember, I, I was terrible at baseball when mm-hmm. I first started. I got really good as I got older. And it, these kids, you know, and like, anybody can be good as, like, if you put them on effort and try hard, you know. So I just thought that that was something that was interesting to write about. I, I really enjoyed writing that blog. It was a good one. It really was. Yeah. So I boosted that blog on Facebook where you can kind of – you can boost posts remember mm-hmm. we were doing that Did it get and, love? Uh, yeah you know I, I get a lot of reaches with my blogs with that patriots blog i got a big a big reach but that's because it, you know it's close to the super bowl and pa- people hate the patriots or love the patriots you know it's kind of more of a polarizing topic which this should be a polarizing topic to people but you know you know how people are so you know they really want got to want to read this particular kind of blog you know mm-hmm. so uh, but I am getting reads. I'm definitely getting dozens of reads off of this boost so far, so that's great. Good, good. Yeah. Now, 
let's transition from a topic that is, you know, inspirational to beating the shit out of kids. <laughs> so this is, this was your idea, but I actually have some very interesting input on this, but we'll, uh, we'll let you explain. Basically, I just wanted to talk about, hold on one second. Go ahead. You, you talk. All right. Um, well, Brandon came up with the idea of, you know, when is it the right time to stop letting your kids win at sports and to start taking it serious with them and teaching them humility a little bit as a parent? Because obviously you can beat the shit out of them at just about anything when they're young. So when is it time to start teaching them wins and losses and uh, and going at them full strength? So are you back, Brandon? Um, but yeah, I, I definitely wanted to get Brandon's, I'm back now. Okay, I, I wanted to get Brandon's take on this first, and then I'm going to toss in my two cents because I actually have some very interesting takes on this. But uh, we want to get Brandon's side first. Yeah, I just had to do a little bit of uh parenting right there my kids i we do this from home guys and uh my kids just i have them tonight and they just came out when they weren't supposed to and i had to give them a little tough love about how they know better to come out when daddy's doing his show so i didn't let them win that time there you go (laughs) but uh no i uh, how do i explain this it's good to let your kids win when they're really young, just to kind of give them that boost. And the reason that I think it's good to let them win is it's not just to create a, a lot of people think you're going to create some false, like hope for them or some false reality. It's not creating false reality. It's just you kids lose interest so fast, right? And if you kick their ass from day one, they're going to lose interest in doing these things and it's gonna, they're not going to want to do it. Mm-hmm. So in order to get my son to want to wrestle, I'm going to let him take me down. You know what I mean? I'm going to let him, you know, he's a little 40 pound fucking hellion, but I got to let him take me down sometimes. And just to show him that, you know, it's not all getting your ass kicked. And, uh, so before I ever let him wrestle in his first tournament, I just, I let him, you know, take me down. I let him turn me on my back. I let him do all that stuff. The same with, uh, with, uh, when we play, when we play catch in the back, uh, backyard, like I'll toss him, you know, floaters so he can crank the ball and, you know, I'm not trying to whip strikes right down the center, you know, throw 70 miles an hour at a five-year-old, you know? So I just like, I give them some floater, let them crank the ball, let them get excited, have that endorphins rolling, you know what I mean? But I think once you get them interested and once they, once you basically got them hook, line and sinker, I think it's okay to you know, start showing them the true, the true colors of the world. You know what I mean? So I wouldn't, I, I say like, you know, from an early age, you can start fucking whooping their ass. Like say it's like a home game. Uh, dude, I will, I will wreck them in board games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like every once in a while, I'll let my son get a little bit of advantage. Like, um, if we're playing like four square, I play my, I play four uh, square with my son a lot. I don't want him to completely feel like a retard all the time. So I let him win every once in a while. I let him get him four in a row. And this, the, the pure joy on his face is enough for me to say, yeah, that was warranted. You know, he deserved to win because, you know, he just, he needs something good in his life. You know, from time to time, he doesn't need to get beat up all the time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'll let him win at four square and stuff like that. But I do I, I win more than I don't just to kind of get his mind developing on different. You know, he doesn't need to just put four in a row all the time to win. I need I want to develop his mind. I want to push him to the point where he's starting to have to think he actually has to think about how to beat me on four square. Mm-hmm. And uh, same with baseball, you know, he, 
I don't want to float balls at him all the time. If he's going to catch, I'm going to throw a little bit harder. I'm not whipping, you know, 80 mile an hour fastballs at my five year old. But I'll bring the heat to him a little bit every once in a while just to get him to like, look, this is how the ball's going to be thrown to you. Or this is how a line drive from a bat, even when it comes from a, uh, you know, an eight year old is still going to come hard at you. You know, stuff like that. So, um, I'm all for tough love when it comes to sports and teaching kids that way. Okay. So, so obviously I don't have any kids, so I can't impart knowledge in that direction, but I had a dad that taught me a shit ton of stuff about sports growing up. And I want to share some of those stories because they're fucking hilarious. <laughs> Let's hear it. My dad never let me win anything. Not from the first memory of ever playing games or sports or anything did my dad not, not try to whoop my ass as hard as he could at everything. Okay. <laughs> so the first thing he ever taught me was running. Like I, I was long distance running when I was like three or four years old. Like I think I ran my first 10 K race when I was like five. <laughs> so, and he would always whoop my ass and eventually, you know, he was a big guy. I got faster than him. So I just started beating him and I, and he didn't care. He was, he was super proud of me for beating him. Uh, um, but the thing that he would whoop my ass the hardest in was ping pong. We would, my, my, uh, grandpa singer, my, so my mom's dad had a ping pong table in his basement and it was pristine. He took exceptional care of this thing. Like he, would wipe it down and gloss it. And I mean, it was, it still is an amazing ping pong table. Um, and I would want to go play every time we went over there and we kind of, I would have to work my way up. You know, I'd have to play my mom and my grandma and my grandpa and, and I, I could do pretty well against them. And my dad, he would just mercilessly beat the shit out of me at ping pong. <laughs> Like I would be crying and he's like, Hey, you got to learn how to handle defeat, Brian. <laughs> so, but this is what he would do. He would, he wouldn't take it easy on me, but there would be situations where he would set up different versions of the game where he would have a disadvantage and I would, and he would still, and he would be playing as hard as he could to overcome that disadvantage. But that would be the rules of that specific game. Like, when we first started, he, he, the first version that we would play would be called Skunkers Derby, where if I didn't get skunked, I won. So <laughs> in ping pong, you could get skunked 11 nothing or 21 to one. So if I scored two points against him, I won. So he's still whooping my ass, but every <laughs> once in a while I could score two points and I'd win. So once I started getting good enough to win Skunkers Derby, he switched to Spikers Derby, where he wouldn't hit it hard back at me, but he would pop it up and I'd have to try to spike it every time. And it got me a lot better at hitting the ball down like ferociously. And, and then eventually, once I was able to consistently do well in Spikers Derby, then he would play me for real. And he just, I never beat him except one time. <laughs> he had gone to FFA camp as the advisor and he pulled his hamstring running out a run a grounder to first base in the faculty versus student softball game. So he could barely move. 
And at this point, I was getting pretty good at ping pong. And and it, I don't know if you've seen me play, like, as I've gotten older, I'm really fucking good at ping pong. Um, <laughs> but I was, you know, still only, like, 10 years old. Yeah. And But I was good enough that I could use a little spin. I could... Uh, and I could play the corners really well. I was, I was really good at uh, aiming and I started making him have to run back and forth. And with his pulled hamstring, he couldn't do it. <laughs> so I've actually beat him like 21 to 18 by making him have to go back and forth to corner to corner and he couldn't do it. And it was just this unbelievable moment of victory for me. I didn't care that, you know, he was hampered by the hamstring. He was still trying to play me as hard as he could. And I beat him. Like there is almost no moment for victory in any sport in my life. And I've had some very good moments in sports, but there is almost no moment that was as satisfying as that time that I I hit that last ping pong ball by him and beat him. (laughs) So, because he he never took it easy on me ever. Yeah, see, um, and, that, and look at he sets you up to have like a, the crowning jewel of your life. You know what I mean? You're still talking yeah. about it to this day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Thirty two like, years old. He would play me at, in chess, and he would not. He would take off his queen before the mat, the game would start. But once I started doing okay against him without a queen, then he put the queen on and beat the shit out of me every time. I never beat him when he had the queen. <laughs> my, 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 that's like one of the few things my dad did. For, he did play me in chess a lot, and he never let me win either. Mm-hmm. But that's how my dad is. He doesn't want to feel intellectually inferior, <laughs> so you know he he de- he definitely didn't let me win. I was always getting wrecked in chess. But yeah, I did beat. So, I love I love beat my older brother in chess though. So I my dad like, wouldn't take it easy on me, but he would change the rules sometimes to get to make it fairer, if that makes sense. Uh, but he never took it easy on me, which I always appreciated. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you gotta appreciate that. And at the end of the day, when once we're older, we realize that that did some good. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And it was fun because it, what I it did was I always wanted to play. I didn't care that I lost. I always because like it wasn't just that I would lose. If I wasn't losing as bad, I knew I was getting better. Exactly. And, and it gets you, you know, what, what better, like it get, it moves those endorphins. It gets, you know, those, those, those hormones rolling. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? When you're sweating, sitting there sweating, trying to beat your dad or who, whoever, yeah. I, you know, me trying and to it, beat my it brother. Really, it really made me fiercely competitive growing up. Like I was competitive about everything. I would race people to class and they wouldn't even know we were in a race. <laughs> yeah. I would try to get all my worst schoolwork done first. Like, and, Nobody else knew that I was doing that. You know, it was just, I was constantly making competitions between myself and other people. And I think it was a lot of it was because of, uh, some of those lessons. Yeah, of course. I used to do things with like my brother. Now we were big card collectors, like baseball card collectors. Mm -hmm. And we used to go out, my brother used to try to hustle me out of cards all the time. And I remember we, we made a bet. I was a huge Frank Thomas fan. Frank oh, yeah. Thomas is, is my favorite player ever. And I had mm-hmm. dozens of cards of Frank Thomas. And, uh, my brother had a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card and I really wanted it. And he had won my Frank Thomas rookie card off of me earlier that day. I bet it. I can't believe I did. He got me to bet it. Well, we made this bet where I made, I had to shoot this shot from way back in the yard at our, at our, 
on, we had a basketball hoop that was mounted on like our own garage. It was like an old garage. And I had this, this shot was fucking far. It's like the equivalent of over a half court shot. It was far. It was fucking far. And we had one of those like balls where they were small and you got it from like a fair. They had probably mm-hmm. like said like North Carolina Tar Heels on it or something like that. Well, the bet was I get my Frank Thomas card back, but if I make it, I get Frank Thomas and I get his Ken Griffey Jr. card. He's like, yeah, go ahead. Let's do it. You know, he's being a little smart ass. I fucking one hand palm this shit. I threw it like a baseball and it fucking drains it. I drain this shot. My brother freaking starts bitching and moaning and whining about it. And he wouldn't give me his Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. He would not uphold the bet. I scream and I'm crying. Get me those cards, blah, blah, blah. I run inside. I tell my mom what happened. And they had a little talk when I, with me not in the room. When he, and he, finally I get to come in and he's like, Brandon, that was a heck of a shot. So I'm going to give you your Frank Thomas card back. And I'm, I'm, I, that wasn't good enough for me. I fucking cried. And I was like, this is bull. You know, I didn't say bullshit because I was like, this is bull crap, mom. I made the shot. It was an amazing shot. He bet that. He bet that I deserve the Frank or the Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. It's my card. I'm screaming. I'm ripping my shirt off. <laughs> I used to, I would, yeah, I used to like rip my shirt off like all the time. I just rip it over my head, whip it, and I just throw my fucking body around, flailing like I'm having a seizure. I was one of those kids. It's a total, total nightmare when I lost. But I won this one, and I deserved it. To this day, my brother never gave me that fucking card. He He's never gave it against him. Yeah, I do. I won the damn thing fair and square. I popped that damn – that was a lot. I wish the people could just visualize what I'm visualizing. It was – it took every ounce of my strength to launch this ball. It, I threw it as far as I possibly could, and it just freaking netted it. I swooshed the shot. It didn't bank and nothing. It just went boom right in there. I remember throwing my arms up. I'm running around the yard, and he just straight up told me he wasn't giving me what I fucking just won. He wasn't even going to give me my Frank Thomas card back at first. My mom hadn't even talked him into doing that. That's how shady this little asshole was. <laughs> so I, it was ridiculous. So, yeah, I, I, we used to do all kinds of stuff like that. We do play, like, horse for, like, I don't know if you remember Hideki Arabu. Oh, yeah. He was, like, going to be the next big star coming out of Japan. Like, he was this, just everybody thought he was going to be, you know, a new Pedro. He was going to be that good. And we, I remember we were betting, like, my brother had his rookie card, and he shaded me out of that deal. <laughs> and, like, he had a Jose Cruz Jr. Jose Cruz Jr. was, like, a huge prospect coming up, and he had Jose Cruz Jr.'s rookie card. And, you know, he well, all this shit, Andrew Jones' rookie card. I remember all these cards we used to bet for, and I, he always used to fuck me over. <laughs> Come to think about it. It was funny. It's funny to think about all the crap we used to pull on each other. But, yeah. And dude, we used to do all kinds of cool stuff, but sports was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we used to have, we had this like open area up, like an, like a loft area upstairs in our house and, and we were playing, um, we would play hockey like on roller skates. We, it was huge when we, when we watched Mighty Ducks. Mighty Ducks is like a life changer for me. We got, we got freaking roller blades. We got ice, uh, street hockey pucks and stuff like that. And I remember my brother had people over for his birthday and they were playing hockey out there and they, Fucking launched a puck right into his face. My brother had to get stitches in his eye. <laughs> that was awesome. But yeah, that's just like shit kids did. I can't tell you how many times I got injured playing sports, like in backyard football or backyard roller hockey and shit like that. It was awesome. I'll never forget that kind of stuff, man. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I watched, I read this meme the other day where it said, it said, at some point you and your friends went outside to play for the very last time together and you didn't even know it. Oh. Isn't that crazy? That's fucking sad, man. <laughs> right? Think about that. You know, one time we just stopped going outside and playing together. Mm-hmm. It's just interesting. But I think sports are just an amazing, important part of kids' life. And it's an important part of development just, you know, not only just to be a good sports player, but just just as, as a human being in general, I think sports are extremely important. And people like to downplay sports, you know. It's just sports. People take football so seriously. Yeah, maybe on those levels, like grown men yelling at the TV and throwing beers and shit, maybe that's a little overboard. But don't downplay sports as a whole. It isn't a very important part of the world and part of mending relationships between countries and mending relationships with people and building relationships. Yeah, sports are important. So don't downplay sports, people. There you have it. So, all right, uh, let's move on. We got two more topics to talk about tonight. Uh, Do you want to talk about New Look Cavs or the the Johnny Shit Show show? Let's just talk New New Look Cavs. Look, uh, the Cavaliers, they looked really good in their first game with everybody that they just acquired, Jordan Clarks and Rodney Hood and Larry Nance Jr. And um, who else did they get? They got somebody um, else? Yeah, oh, they got uh, George, George Hill. George Hill, Larry Nance. Yeah, they have four guys. Yep, uh, I just named them. Oh, okay. And uh, they looked pretty good. They looked and really there's, good. And there's, and there's this straight-up knee-jerk reaction, of course, in the, in the media. Now all of a sudden the Cavs are the major favorites in the East again. Uh, LeBron's more dangerous than ever. They just closed the gap on, on the Warriors and all this other shit. And I'm just like, look, I'm not going to be too cynical and tell you that they still suck and blah, blah, blah. No, I don't know. But don't – it's one game, guys. Give it a little bit of time. Let's figure this out. Let's make sure they are who they are. You know, don't – Maybe tomorrow they go out and get blown out by 20 again, and then what are they gonna, these people going to say? Mm-hmm. Well, you know what I mean? What else are they going to say? They did get younger. They got more energetic. But I still think there's, you know, four or five teams in the in the West that could still wreck them. And uh, I, I still think that they're they're far behind. They're way behind the Warriors still. I don't think there's they don't match up well at all. But I, I still think that the, the Warriors, Rockets, Spurs – even the Thunder and the Timberwolves, they're, they're, they're all good enough to beat Cleveland right now. And, uh, I don't think that, I don't think that, uh, yeah, people should have this knee-jerk reaction to this kind of shit. And this is just typical sports commentary. This is typical sports media with this kind of knee-jerk reactions. But I still, I'm not sold on this team. I still think Rodney Hood and, Jordan Clarkson are, are good pieces off the bench, but I don't think they're going to take you to a finals and win it for you. I don't think so. I just don't. I don't care if you have LeBron or not. I just I just don't think that they have the starting pieces to, to really compete with people like the Warriors or the Rockets or even the Spurs right now. So that's my take on that. What do you think? I think they're more exciting. I think they're going to hit more three-pointers. Uh, Nance is going to be throwing – shit down on the inside. I mean, that guy is fun to watch, but I don't want to jump to conclusions yet. I mean, ESPN in their NBA rankings jumped them, the Cavs up from 11th to number six already in all yeah. in the NBA, like jumped them up five spots after one game. But uh, we'll see. I, I do think that they have a good chance of winning the East now. I mean, it's not like 
the Celtics and um, Timberwolves or and uh, Raptors. Raptors were running away with it. I think Celtics are forty and eighteen. Raptors are thirty nine and sixteen. Cavs are right now, after all that suckage that they just traded away, are at you're six uh, back. Yeah, thirty three and twenty two. So yeah, um, yeah. I think um, uh, I think the Cavs really could catch up to the Raptors if. Obviously, the problem, they can keep this up, but we'll the see. Problem, the problem is that Cavs are just so bad on the road. Mm-hmm. They're a really piss-poor road team, and they, well, let's see how this team looks like, you know. Well, they beat the Celtics on the road, granted. I, no, uh, one no, game. I get it. I get it, but it Celtics, even, you know. It wasn't even close, which was pretty impressive. I mean, blew them out. And you got to remember, the Celtics' offense is not very good. Yeah, they're, they're more defensive-focused. Yeah. They're a defensive I team. I mean, of the teams yeah, making the, the playoffs. They also do they're this the, without Kevin Love. Let's put it this way. They're the second-worst team in the East from on a points-per-game basis. Mm-hmm. So the Celtics are just a defensive team. And once they fall behind, if they need to play catch-up, it's hard for them to do so. And I think that's what happened here with the, with the Cavs. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, and the Celtics are doing all this without Gordon Hayward. Yeah. You know, they lost him first game, so even next year they're going to be really good. I still think LeBron leaves after this year. Probably. I think, yeah, this so. Is, this is their last chance. I guess the whole point of this segment, it's not going to be anything long for the listeners. It's just more along the lines of just don't be doing these knee-jerk reactions. Just let let some, let the shit play out, at least, you know, until the playoffs come and then make your assessment. I just I still don't buy into the, this team. I still think they're in turmoil. Uh, basically, they kicked half the team, uh, you know, to the curb because they, they need to get rid of this turmoil. And maybe, maybe doing so is going to turn this, turn everything around. You know what I mean? It's going to turn everybody's uh, opinion of LeBron around. But I, I know that a lot of there's a lot of rumblings in the league that he's not fun to play with. So, yeah, I still don't think they're better than the Rockets or the Warriors, but I do think that they have a a much improved chance to win the East. So I'll throw that out there. I think that they can, I, I agree I think too. They can make I, it to the finals. I was on record saying that they they did get better with that trade. They did get better, and uh, I'm not saying that they didn't. I just think that there's such a big gap between them and the, the better teams in the West, and there was a gap between them and the top two teams in the East up until you know they made these trades. Mm-hmm. They were looking really bad for a long time. Oh, they were playing like hot garbage. Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, I think it's only going up from here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's only going up from here. So yeah, give it a little bit of time, people. We'll see what happens. So, okay. Well, all right. Let's close things out with the Johnny Manziel situation. Uh, obviously everyone already knows. I mean, the guy fucked up beyond all fuck ups. Mm-hmm. Brown's just dumped his ass a while back and nobody has even gotten close to taking a shot on him ever since. And then, of course, he comes out with a story uh, today, I think, it, or yesterday, that he had bipolar disorder. And that explains everything. And he's treating mm-hmm. it. And he wants to make a comeback. So, <laughs> considering he was, you know, a guy that you were a big fan of when he was I in was. college. And probably to start his NFL career, at least. Oh, of course. So, what's your take on this whole um, I think it's one of those typical things. He, I think he sat down. I think I think he does have a little bit of issues, but I think it's more spoiled brat syndrome mm-hmm. than it is bipolar. I think that 
he was used to being the man from high school on and that you know, once once shit hit the fan for him and he couldn't do anything he wanted to do because, you know, he had to grow up at some point. He, you know, his life went to shambles and he didn't know how to handle it. So I think he had just like a mental breakdown. I think he got with his team and he's like, I need to get in the NFL. What, what's a hot topic? Mental health. Let's get, get you diagnosed with bipolar disorder. That way they can't hinder your progress anymore. So I feel like this is kind of like a round the system way of getting him, uh, you know, looked at in a different light, maybe give him a second chance. Um, you know, if, if people, if they, I feel like they did it so like if he gets turned down by the NFL, NFL looks bad because they turned down somebody with mental health problems instead of helping him. They already get bad because uh, a bad reputation for people saying that, you know, they don't help with the concussions enough and they don't have a, a good enough healthcare plan for the post, you know, post, uh, playing era. And like, uh, I think that he, you know, he's definitely looking for a way to get, to get, uh, you know, his thoughts or to get his way back into the league. Yeah, I feel you. Um, considering I got a front row seat to the, the whole Johnny Manziel experience in Cleveland, it was beyond frustrating seeing a guy that you knew had talent. I mean, he led the Browns to a couple wins. Yeah. Um, the fact that he would just party all the time and then go to Vegas and wear fucking like costumes so people wouldn't recognize him and, and then try to get back and miss team meetings. And it just felt like he wasn't taking it seriously. And despite everybody, you know, and then he would come out and go, I'm so sorry. I put myself in rehab and then. Same problems, you know? Yeah. Uh, so for me, this feels like him going to rehab and then saying, I'm all better now. You know, give me a chance. Well, he did that already with the Browns and he fucked up and it didn't work out after that whole spiel. So I'm not ready to give him another chance. I think, uh, you know, something we talked about on a previous episode was the XFL. I think that that could be the perfect place for him problem is they mentioned like you know getting arrested and shit could keep you from they're gonna they're gonna have i think to, they would make an exception they need to make an exception for that kind that, of shit because yeah. there's teachers out there that have gotten duis on you know just making one bad decision i don't think that i think that's fucking retarded if you get a dui or any of these stupid misdemeanors i still think you should be able to play sports now you got people that are you know like Hardy, like knocking his girlfriend out or, you know, people like that with like violent crimes or a bunch of drug related problems. Yeah. I keep those out of the XFL, but the XFL needs to reevaluate their whole no arrests whatsoever. <laughs> like shut the fuck up. Give me a fucking break. People make mistakes all the time. You know what I mean? So Johnny Manziel definitely should have a place in the XFL. And if he wants to come back to the NFL, fine. Honestly, if people want to give him a chance, I have, I'm all for second chances, third chance, whatever. He didn't kill anybody. He was just an idiot. He was just an idiot. But don't I don't want him to try and hide behind mental health disorders as a as an excuse to basically say, hey, I'm trying to get help. Don't hinder my progress and be a shitty organization by not letting me back in. You know, I feel like that's what he's going to be doing. You know what I mean? He's looking for people to to really like put the blame on the NFL if they don't give him a second chance. And he knows that it's bad PR for them. So I think he just really took the last ditch effort for him to come back to the NFL, which whatever, if it works, it works. I, I, I'll, I'll welcome him back to the NFL. 
I really will because, like I said, he didn't do anything outside of party too hard, had some drug issues, but he didn't, you know, he wasn't out there, like, raping chicks. He wasn't out there hitting women. He wasn't, you know, getting in a shit ton of brawls. Like, all the all the brawling, I, I, I think there was a couple um, close calls where people were basically harassing him at bars and shit. But um, he wasn't out starting shit, you know what I mean? So... I'm not going to fault the guy and, and crush his entire career just because he was having some problems partying, but I definitely don't want him to hide behind mental health to try and get back in the league. I want him to get back in the league if somebody wants to give him a fucking chance. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's pretty much all I got to say about that. Well, it's yet to be determined on, on Johnny Manziel. Do you think he ever plays a game in the NFL again? Yeah, because... uh I say no. I, I think he does. And, and the reason I do is because – how do I explain this? The NFL doesn't give a shit. These owners want to pop, put people in the seats, and there's a QB shortage. I personally think the quarterback is is dreadful right now, and there's some backup quarterbacks that are just garbage, just hot garbage. And I think that uh, you can't win a championship without good quarterback play. And I think any, I think eventually there's going to be somebody that's going to take a chance on him because he is a, a, a hell of a player. He's made some plays and he won some games with the Browns. And I think if he comes back and he gets in shape and he, and he, and he proves in some workouts that he looks good enough, I think definitely somebody's going to give him a chance. Why not? There's no, there's so many shitty QBs out there. They don't look at, I mean, fucking some of the QBs that were rolled out this, this year are just awful. Like Peterman. <laughs> for the Bills, he's just fucking garbage, just absolute garbage. And just like, I mean, that's just one. That's just naming one. But there's like, look at some of the people that like when Carson Palmer went down, and there's just some shitty quarterbacks out there, and that shouldn't be in the league anymore. So I, I definitely can see somebody giving Johnny Menzel a chance, and I would, I would definitely give him a chance. So I don't have a rant for today. I think we're good on that. Oh, that's okay. I do have uh, a gem. So without further ado, here is my Hems gem. Wow, winning. Yeah. So tonight, it. I'm going back. Uh, I know I said that I wasn't going to be doing Netflix, but... I started watching the show, and it's fucking amazing. I haven't finished it yet, but I've been binge-watched four episodes over the weekend, and it's very good, and I'm going to finish it. There's only ten episodes total. Um, it's called Altered Carbon. Have you heard anything about this one, Sharples? I, I, I mean, I saw it as like an option for me to watch. Yeah. Is it pretty good? It's insane. Oh, I love it. Um, basically, it takes place like 300 years in the future. Um, and they live in a society where people have like an implant, um, in like the base of their brain and vertebrae called like a stack. And when you die, as long as the stack survives, they can transplant that to a new body and you can live forever. And oh, the nice. new bodies are called sleeves. They're just... Piles of flesh <laughs> that now you are that body. <laughs> Dude, but, I want one. I want a sleeve. Exactly. 
so, but the, the story is the guy dies at the beginning and then 250 years later he's brought back to like solve a murder. Uh, and the guy that hired him to solve the murder was, uh, to solve his own murder because somebody had killed him, but, uh, he had survived it from his stack. So, <laughs> I mean, it's fucking, it's, it's really interesting. There's a lot of fucking swearing and violence and nudity and it's, you'll love it. It really is. I mean, if, if any of that shit is your thing, uh, and it's a good, good old detective story too. So, uh, I can't wait. I'm, I'm probably going to watch an episode right after we get off the air tonight. So, cause I Dude, wanna... I, I have a little gem for somebody. Ooh, let's hear it. I, I don't, I'm not a stoner or anything. I don't even smoke weed, <laughs> but there's this dude that I follow on Facebook. His name is, uh, his page is called Edibles Will. And he, he creates these like delectable creations of like, like for his eight days ago, he released one that was weed wings and nachos. <laughs> and he's like, he creates these like edible treats that are like cannabis infused. And, you know, to get people high and shit. And they're like, you know, he's done like chicken dishes. He's done steaks. He's done <laughs> wings, nachos, tacos. He's done all kinds of cool shit. And then he just gets baked on the show. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> he just eat in their videos and just, it's just super cool. He's a fucking just straight up stoner, just making awesome like culinary art dishes. And they're, and it's just, it's, just, it's super cool. It's super funny. And I think anybody that, you know, anybody out there that's a big stoner or maybe they just want to see something funny because that's what I wanted to do. I just wanted to watch something funny. Edibles Will is, is on Facebook. Just go to Facebook, look him up. And he'll, he has a bunch of videos and it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> so nice. Yeah. All right. So well, I want to let you know, um, whenever we do like our closing, uh, music, if we do the, the do, 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 do. Or if we do Rick Astley, never gonna give you up. Um, yeah. Every time we post those, it always yells, says that it includes copyrighted content whenever I post it like to YouTube and SoundCloud. Yeah. But guess what does not count as copyrighted content apparently? The Mega Man? Mega Man. Oh, I love that anyway. With your permission, I want to make that our closing uh, music forever. Sounds good. All right. So, uh, we're do, all right, let's do quick shout outs here. Um, where can people check out everything belly up sports related, Brandon? Uh, bellyupsports.com is our website. You can find blogs, uh, anything you want that any, any of our content is on there. We have a photo of the week. That's super funny every week. Um, at belly up sports, Twitter, belly up sports on Facebook. We have bar down radio, which is uh, another podcast. It's like hockey and it's like any, basically just bro, bro shit. <laughs> um, that's pretty cool. Those guys do a really good job with that. Um, so yeah, that's basically it for us on that. We're going to be doing, I think we're going to be getting Instagram once we start doing all our videos and stuff. Cause Instagram's more of a, a uh, more friendly to video content and stuff like that. So uh, we'll be getting a, we'll be getting an Instagram on that, but yeah, check out bellyupsports.com for sure. Get that traffic going there and, and check out those blogs I've been writing. They're really good. I really like them. All right. And then, of course, you can check out the At Odds podcast Facebook page and our YouTube channel and our SoundCloud channel. So without further ado, it's Mega Man time. 